Good morning, everybody. Thanks to Liam and the team for leading us so well this morning, and Justin as well, helping us uh, direct our hearts where they need to be, and they're often not, um, with God's Word as we kicked off. Please um, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Uh, we are in week two of a, a three-week mini-series uh, on the Great Commission. Uh, so if you turn there, we're going to read from Matthew chapter 28 and verses 16 through to 20. We're gonna, then we're going to pray and dive in to what the Lord has to say for us this morning. So Matthew 28 and verse 16 to 20, I'm going to be reading from the ESV. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of of the age. Let's pray together. Fathers, we come to your word now. We come and we come seeking your grace in our lives, your undeserved kindness. We want to ask that you would speak powerfully into our lives by your word, that we might not remain unchanged by it but rather that we would be transformed through it. We come and ask that you would bring us light and life as you speak to us, that we might be the people you want us to be for your glory and for our good. And we ask this in Jesus' awesome name. Amen. Well, has there ever been a single paragraph that has so radically changed the whole world? Has there ever been a single paragraph that has so radically changed the whole world? Just a few words given by Jesus to a small group of pretty ordinary people, not unlike us, but later described as those who would turn the world upside down. People who simply obeyed Jesus' command in the Great Commission and gave themselves to it in the power of the Holy Spirit for the glory of God, no matter the cost. I wonder what it would have been like for them when they first heard these words from the risen, reigning Lord Jesus. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of those around about you in your street and community. Now, of all nations, he said, baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that I have commanded you. I wonder how they would have felt when they first heard those words 
from the Lord Jesus. Did they actually fully grasp at this point in time what he was saying to them or what it would mean for them? How these few words would set the trajectory for the rest of their lives. What about us? What do we think when we hear these words? Do we grasp what Jesus is saying to us now in what he said to them then? Do we grasp what it might mean for us? Because, friends, if we claim to be the disciples of Jesus in our day, then these words are also for us. These few words from Jesus are actually meant to set the trajectory of our entire lives, right? Do you agree? Our danger at this point as we read this and spend some time thinking about the Great Commission is familiarity, isn't it? We've heard it before, multiple times even, multiple sermons perhaps even or messages on it. So our need then is to hear it afresh like it was the first time we heard it. And as we do that, I think two things become really clear and they're not rocket science, they're fairly obvious. The mission of Jesus for us and the presence of Jesus with us. Have a look there in verse 19 again. Jesus says, The one who has all authority in heaven and on earth, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. The one imperative that comes from the lips of Jesus here in this verse is to make disciples. To make disciples. That is the command that's actually at the centre of the Great Commission. Make disciples. Maybe when we think about the Great Commission, what comes first to our minds is the, is the idea of going. And though that is also key, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later, it's not the central focus. The central focus is make disciples. Going by implication, but the core of the Great Commission is to make disciples. And I think to understand what Jesus is saying to them, it's good for us to ask the question, well, what is a disciple? Let's not just assume we've got that down pat. What is it? Well, in Jesus' day, a disciple was not uncommon. A disciple was someone who was attached to a teacher or a rabbi for a long period of time with the goal of becoming like them with the goal of embracing their teaching and their instruction and the modeling and then modeling their lives on theirs discipleship was about being shaped by your rabbi by everything he taught and everything he said and the way he lived so the slash discipleship relationship was common in Jesus day and so it's interesting isn't it the disciples often say to Jesus when they ask a question rabbi they're displaying this relationship that they have begun with Jesus. And so, of course, we have in the gospel the story of the disciples and Jesus, a group of ordinary people whose lives were radically changed forever by Jesus, by who he is, by what he taught, 
by what he has done for them. They became his disciples and so have billions ever since. And for many of you here today, so have you. You've become a disciple of Jesus. Praise God. And just like it was not meant to stop with these disciples, neither is it meant to terminate on us. The disciples then were to make disciples themselves. They were to multiply themselves, if you like. How were they to do that? Well, they were to do that by telling others about Jesus and bringing others to Jesus. They were to do that by baptising people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them everything that Jesus had commanded. And that's going to be our focus next week. What does that mean? What does that look like? The same is to be true of us. We're to be disciples who are busy or focused on making more disciples. Because clearly, and correct me if I'm wrong, the mission is not yet complete, is it? It's not yet complete. It can't be, right? Because we haven't reached the end of the age yet. We're still in it. In this in-between time between when Jesus is risen and reigning and gives his disciples their mission, if you like, and when he returns, when the mission is complete. So as disciples, we're to make disciples because that's the mission Jesus has for us. But we, there's some more uh, significance to what Jesus is saying in this great commission. Uh, look again in verse 19. He says, go therefore and make disciples, and here it is, of all nations or of all peoples. Now immediately you go, that's huge, right? As soon as you see that. It's huge because of the scope. Like it's massive. All nations. It's huge because of the scope of it, that is how far it extends. But maybe not so obvious is it's huge because of what the mission actually is. That is the nature of it. You see, if you have your Old Testament ears on, when you hear, go and, t- go and make disciples of all nations, there might be some bells that go off in your head. You might have a strong echo at that point. You might remember the time when God made a covenant with Abraham and you might remember what that covenant contained or promised way back in Genesis 12. Do you remember Genesis 12? If not, you might remember Genesis 11, where the people made the Tower of Babel. All the peoples, all the nations of the earth were gathered in one place in rebellion against God, making a tower, thinking that they could make a name for themselves and they could pretty much do everything they set their hands and hearts to. But it was all in rebellion against God. So God came and brought a degree of judgment, confusing their language and scattering them across the world. And then to our great surprise, at the end of chapter 11, just when you think humanity actually deserves the justice of God, what does God actually do? He makes a covenant promise with one man and he promises to the nations, to the 
to humanity, all the peoples of the earth, something that you wouldn't expect. What was that promise? Well, here it is. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And here it is. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonours you I will curse, and in you or through you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. What's God promising? He's saying this, in you or through you, through your descendants, I am going to bless or save. Through your descendants, the blessing of salvation will come to all the families of the earth. God, way back here, to our great surprise, covenants or promises to do this, and clearly it's a covenant of grace, isn't it? It's clearly not deserved. If you look at chapter 11, you're like, no, this is not deserved. This is grace. It's not what you expect. It's God's grace. And at the opening of Matthew's gospel, where we are at the end of it at the moment, we find something quite interesting. Matthew draws attention to this. Do you remember trying to read the opening of Matthew's gospel? Do you remember what you run into straight away? This long list of names. This genealogy of Jesus. And have a look what verse 1 says before you kind of get bogged down in it. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. What? What's that got to do with the gospel? Matthew, why are you putting that in there? Again, bells are going off if you've got your Old Testament ears on. Because in this one verse, Matthew cites both the covenant with Abraham and the covenant with David. That is, the promised blessing of God will come through a king or a Christ or a Messiah. God's promised salvation for the nations will be found in the person of Jesus Christ when he comes and brings his kingdom and accomplishes the salvation of God for the world. After the genealogy, this is what we run into. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Oh, God is doing something here. And so as we come to the end of Matthew's Gospel, to the Great Commission, it becomes clearer, doesn't it? Jesus is the promised Messiah who has brought the blessing of salvation to the world. How did he do that? Through bearing the curse for us on the cross, the curse of God's judgment, and rising again from the dead. And now what Jesus has done for the nations needs to be taken to the nations. So the command from the risen Jesus, having accomplished everything that needed to be done, is 
Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Friends, do we see here what we've actually been caught up in as disciples of Jesus? We've been caught up in the mission of God. The mission that's not only huge in its scope, but glorious in its nature, in terms of what it is. God's blessing to the nations, the unfolding promises and purposes of God for his world through his Son. And we are firstly beneficiaries of it as we come to Jesus in repentance and faith and lay our crowns down and submit to his and put our confidence and trust to be saved in his sin-atoning work on the cross. And at that point, the blessing of God, the salvation of God, floods our lives through him. Long ago promised, and now fully fulfilled, and to be taken to others. But secondly, we're not only beneficiaries of it, are we? We're to be messengers of it. Do you remember the woman at the well? What she, what she said once she met the Lord Jesus and he rescued her and restored her. Do you remember what she did? She went to her village and she said, come and see. Come and see a man who's radically turned my life upside down. I can't fully articulate it now probably, but come and see. So we're to go, therefore, and make disciples. To invite people to come and see. Yeah, that's what the carols is about, right? It's not like just trying to get someone to church. That's not our goal. Our goal is not to get people into a church. Our goal is to say, come and see. Come and, come and see this Jesus through the carols and through whatever we're going to do at that, at that gathering. Come and see a man who is the Messiah, who has brought the blessing of God to the world and he holds it out to you. Come and see. And yes, yeah, come into the building that we're going to do it in. That's, yeah, that's the secondary thing. And yes, come and be part of us every Sunday. Uh, but come and see Jesus, first and foremost. So as you're inviting someone, I want to encourage you to think that's what I'm trying to do. That's what I'm praying for, that they might see Jesus. Now there's something else here that's really interesting in light of who Jesus is and what he's done. Uh, he has all authority in heaven and earth, and he says to his disciples, and now go. And in light of who Jesus is, and who's, as we saw last week, the sovereign king over everything and everyone, that's right, right? But there's, there's something in the, in the wording here that isn't immediately obvious that I think is super helpful. And it's again at the beginning of verse 19. ESV translated, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. 
Another way you could translate it, and maybe better, is like this. As you go, make disciples of all nations. Or in your going, (laughs) make disciples of all nations. And just that little kind of change changes how we think about it. Because we often think of it when we think of go, we might think, okay, at some point I need to go somewhere and tell people about Jesus and hopefully make disciples. So for now, I'm not going anywhere, but you know, when, I, when God gives me the courage and you know, there's an opportunity that comes up maybe to go and do something, then I'll go and at that point I'll make disciples. But it's different, isn't it? It's as you go. As you go. Or as you are going. So it's not something we're called to do at a particular time. It's something Jesus says we're to do all the time. As you go, in your going, wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, Make this the central focus of what you're hoping to do. Wherever you are, wherever God's placed you, whatever you're involved in. In other words, making disciples is not something as Christians that we are to do as part of our lives. It's meant to be the central focus of our lives. To put it another way, it's actually meant to be a way of life. Wow, that does change things, doesn't it? We've got this um, statement on the back of the church here, which is, which is great. It was there before we put the timber on and we made sure that it, it, it stayed you know, through that change because we think it's really, really important and it looks great. But this is a bit of a challenging point for us, isn't it? Because... The question is not, is it clearly displayed in our church, but is it actually on display in our lives? I mean, we can put it up on the wall. That's pretty easy. And if it gets old and faded and whatever, we can get some new ones and we can put another lot up. But where the rubber meets the road is, is it on display in your life and my life? Is Jesus Christ Lord here? As I hear this great commission, does my life uh, picture or display that yeah, I'm taking this seriously and yes, it is a priority for me because Jesus has all authority in heaven on earth and he is the Lord of my life and my saviour and this is what he asks me to do and invites me to be a part of. Is making disciples of Jesus as disciples of Jesus central to us? Is it central to me? Or do I just do the church stuff? You know, it's real easy for me. I work with Christians. I'm with Christians most of the time. You know, I can easily hide away from trying to make disciples. I can be busy in the work of the church. I can be busy preparing or whatever. I can be busy doing lots of things that are good. But at which part and point am I actually actively living under Jesus Christ as Lord in trying to make disciples somewhere? And obviously this is part of it, bringing the word of God to the people of God regularly. But you get what I'm saying, right? 
Now, the application for this is very, very encouraging and challenging <laughs> because it gets down to just kind of grassroots stuff. It gets down to our parenting. What's the primary goal of parenting? Making disciples. That's the primary goal. Not a good education, not even food on the table. Making Food on the table is fine, right? No, it's important. <laughs> right? Not protecting them from, from pain, you know, but you do that as much as you can, but not wrapping them in cotton wool buds, you know. Now, I want to be able to teach them what it means to be a disciple in the midst of pain, you know. What's the goal of parenting? Well, it's making disciples. What's the goal of our, my marriage? It's to make disciples. It's to help my spouse grow as a follower of Jesus and mature as a follower of Jesus. That's the primary goal. There's all sorts of other blessings of marriage, but that's got to be the goal. What about church? What's my goal when I walk in on a Sunday morning? It's got to be to make disciples. It can't be to rate whatever happens up the front. That can't be it. That's such, that would be so tragic. Although sometimes the rating's probably quite low, I know. But, you know, the goal is what the conversations after church. How does this shape those? Serving in GBC Kids, what am I doing? Am I just doing it because it needs to be done and there's lots of kids and we need, we need to look after them and someone's got to do it, so all right, I'll do it. No, no, we want to, it needs to be making disciples of those kids, you know, partnering with the parents to do what they're supposed to do, which is make disciples of their kids. Multiplying. We're looking at this decision of multiplying today. What's the goal of that? So we can have two congregations? So it can become bigger and more impressive? Maybe? No. It has to be driven by making disciples. And, you know, we may not do that. We might decide otherwise today. But that doesn't take making disciples off the table. Then we've got to think, well, it wasn't that way, so how are we going to do it then? Well, we need to do it this way. Maybe we can think about it that way. As you go, work. You know, is that like a separate part of our lives. And we do discipleship in our growth group and do discipleship in our one-to-one -one or, you know, our, our D group and we do disciple in discipleship when we gather as, with other believers at church. But work, oh, well, that's just work. That gives me money to do whatever, you know. <laughs> as you go, make disciples. But, of course, the question as soon as you start to think about that is How? <laughs> Even when it comes to this small group of ordinary people, you've got to go, how? How on earth did 11 people, ordinary people, make disciples in the way they did? Well, that brings us to the second thing that we see in the Great Commission. There's the mission of Jesus for us, but then there's the presence of Jesus with us. And it's just, you know, couple of words at the end but man it makes all the difference doesn't it 
as you feel the weight of what we're supposed to be doing and the focus that we're supposed to have in our lives and you think, oh, how do I do that? Oh, Jesus says, I'm with you to the end of the age. See, he doesn't just give us the mission he has for us and then kind of go, see ya, leave you to it. I'll be back when I return. Hope you get on with it. No. If that was the case, then this paragraph would have resulted in very little. Jesus promises to be with them as they seek to make disciples of all nations. He will be with them as they seek to live lives that point others to him. He will be with them as they seek to tell others about him. He will be with them as they baptise people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he will be with them as they teach others everything he commanded them. He is with them. See, like us, they are not being asked to fulfil the mission apart from Jesus, but rather in obedience to Jesus, they're being called to fulfil this mission with Jesus. And again, that makes all the difference. It actually shifts us from seeing making disciples as impossible and kind of throwing in the towel to going, oh, wow, this, this could be possible. If Jesus is with us as we try and do this, then this, is, this, is, this could be possible. The one with all authority in heaven and earth, this could have actually happen. Jesus with us in the mission gives us a biblical optimism about the mission such that we would step out not knowing if it's going to work but knowing that Jesus is with us and that that gives it every chance if we seek to make disciples. Yeah, let's not forget who is promising to be with them. We saw it last week the sovereign king over everything and everyone, the one who suffers on the cross to bring ble the blessing of God to the nations, the one who is long-suffering so that, so that more may hear the good news, so that more may come to repentance towards God and faith in Jesus. This risen and reigning Lord Jesus promises to be with them as they seek to make disciples and he promises to be with us as we seek to do the same. And if that's true, that changes everything. The presence of Jesus with us. Now, nearly all of us, if not currently, have been employed or experienced the workplace. And as many of you may know, it's not often the job, or it's more often not the job itself, that makes the workplace either good or not so good. More often, it's actually those you work with that shape what the workplace is like. It's actually your co-workers that can make all the difference, or you as a co-worker that can make all the difference for others. And that's the astonishing thing about what Jesus is saying here. We get to work with him. Paul describes us as co-workers with God. Just think about that for a sec. Isn't that breathtaking? 
that as you seek to make disciples, Jesus is with you and you're working with him. Wow. I'm keen to do more of that. As we engage in and give ourselves to making disciples of all nations, Jesus says, Behold, I am with you, even to the end of the age. Now I want to bring uh, just two things at the end, a challenge first and foremost and an encouragement uh, secondly. Here's the challenge. The presence of Jesus in making disciples is as you go. So it would seem to me, I don't know whether, whether I'm right here, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe Justin and Tim can sort me out on Monday if I got this wrong, but it would seem to me that to experience the presence of Jesus in the mission of Jesus, we have to be engaged in the mission of Jesus. That it's something that happens when we are actually engaged in the effort to make disciples deliberately and intentionally and prayerfully. That as we seek to do that and perhaps open up the gospel with someone, Jesus is with us in that and brings life to someone who is otherwise in the dark. It would seem to me that if we don't engage with mission, then we ought not to expect the presence of Jesus powerfully at work with us making disciples. So that's the challenge, isn't it? Will we take steps to make disciples? Or will we retreat into comfort and whatever else our culture holds forth to us as most important. That's the challenge. The encouragement. The impossible impossibility of making disciples becomes possible because of the promise of Jesus to be with us as we seek to do it. This means we ought to be able to have what you might call a biblical optimism. That is an optimistic approach to trying to make disciples based on what the Bible says about being engaged in mission with Jesus. So we ought to be able to attempt things in faith, knowing that Jesus is with us and that he will work out his purpose through us. The promise of Jesus presence with us should fill us with a humble courage to have a go. To do like William Carey said a long time ago, a missionary hundreds of years ago, to expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. Do you notice it's not one or the other? <laughs> it's both. And he didn't just say it, did he? Could we do that? A group of ordinary people like us? Well, maybe you're not ordinary, maybe you're extraordinary. Could we do that? Could we continue to, de to see disciples of Jesus made and matured in ever-increasing number? Could that happen? Could we see disciples made of one another 
as we mature and grow, and of others who are still at this point, as we sit here this morning, still in the dark? Could that happen? Could we expect great things from God and attempt great things for God? Could we give ourselves afresh to the mission of Jesus for us? Confidently and courageously but humbly because of the presence of Jesus with us? I'd like to answer all those questions based on what we have here in this paragraph that changed the world with a yes. By God's grace, I think we could. Why don't we pray and ask that he would stir us in that, to that end as his people here at GBC. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you this morning and, yeah, we're... we're uh, if I'm honest, I'm super challenged by this, these few words, this paragraph that changed the world. What a glorious thing you've brought us into your promises unfolding in, in history through your Son, your blessing and salvation being poured out on us through him. Blessing and salvation that we receive through repentance and faith and that we then get to proclaim, to rejoice in. Tell others about. And even then, you haven't left us just to do that on our own. You've promised to be with us. Lord, each one of us know friends or family or neighbours or colleagues that are on our hearts. And Father, we would want to start with them this morning and lift them up to you and ask, Lord, that in your kindness you might use even us or others who are your disciples to make disciples of them, that they might know the blessing of God in Christ, that they might be saved from an eternity without him and join us in the mission with him. Father, fill us with courage, but humility at the same time. Be at work in our families, in our relationships, in our marriages. Help us to put making disciples of one another front and centre. For your glory in our lives and more and more lives outside of ours, and for our good. Amen.